you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1. And we will begin today by reading this text, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So if we're going to reach the world for Christ, as we want to do, We really first have to understand as Christians how our relationship with the world functions. And in order to do that, we're going to have to think through a few things. Starting with what Jesus said, look in John 18, 36. For our visitors, we have the verses on the screen or you can look in the Bible in front of you in the pew. John 18:36 Jesus said to Pilate, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm." So the vantage point from which Jesus reached the world was not from the world, but as he said in John 8, from above. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul is saying we are going to reach the world when we are no longer of the world, conformed to the world. Paul also said, speaking of Jesus, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 4, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, which means this present evil world system. But our thinking doesn't stop here. Because at the same exact time as we hear those verses, We hear Jesus in his prayer to the Father in John 17, 15 saying, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. And in Matthew 28, 19, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. 
at the back end of Titus 2.12, Paul says for us to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, meaning this present world system. So, it's pretty interesting. On the one hand, we have all these statements of being delivered from this present world system and not being conformed to this present world system. And Jesus saying, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. But at the same time, we are told to go into all the world and make disciples and live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present world system. So, how do we resolve this apparent paradox? Well, it's really pretty simple. Christian, your inside lives with eternal perspective in the heavenlies, and your outside lives here in this present world system. Jesus, of course, lived this way like no one else. We read through the scriptures how at night, like especially uh, in that scene at the Mount of Olives, he would retreat away from the others. He would get away from the disciples to commune in prayer with his father because that was his real world in the deepest reality. And then from that vantage point, he went out and he lived and he ministered in the world. And for us, as long as we're earthbound, as long as we are preoccupied with this world system, as long as we get caught up with, go down the list, money, fame, prestige, popularity, fashion, education, constant scrolling online, or whatever it is, we will not reach the world with the gospel in the way that God would want. Now listen to me. This is a struggle. Okay? This is a struggle for all of us. Starting with me. This is going to be a very convicting message. I hope you brought the steel toe portion of your boots today. Okay? Because we, as Christians, are all constantly being pulled away into the things, the trinkets, as Brother Ed Lacey used to call them, the things of this world. I'm preaching to myself first here. We get so engaged with this world system that we live in, one of the sad realities is we, we, we don't really connect with the utter hopelessness of those without Christ right now that we interact with every day. We talk with them, we eat lunch with them, we go to work with them, but we don't even connect with the utter hopelessness that they are in 
at the present moment without Christ. If we could see the world the way Jesus sees things, things would be so different in how we live and how we function in this culture. But we, as we've been learning in Sunday school, are still in the process of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And at the same time that that's happening, we are living in this world system. Now, from time to time, we get a glimpse of how Jesus sees the world, don't we? But it, but it's tough to really hang on to that, isn't it? Don't you find that? So we really have to work at this. And how do we do that? Well, you already know. It starts by being in the Word of God. That's where it starts. In Ephesians, Paul is telling us to take our hearts and our minds and get out of this world. In Ephesians 1.3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the what? Heavenly places in Christ. He's saying, Christian, you need to get into the heavenly places. That's where we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's where Jesus is. Ephesians 1.20. He says, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly Places. That's where the angels are in Ephesians 3.10. He says, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities. That's the angels in the heavenly places. And guess what, Christian? Even our position is there in Ephesians 2.6. And raise us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, look, the blessings are there. The angels are there. Jesus is there. Our seat is there. So while we're here on the outside, we need to be about getting there on the inside. And that's really the whole message of Colossians chapter 3. That's really the message, okay? So let's dig into verses 1 to 4. And hopefully these verses will help us to, to think through the whole idea of getting out of this world system, at least in our hearts and minds, and in our inner redeemed selves. Because that is what is going to enable us to be the most effective kind of gospel witness in this present evil age. So let's read it again. Verses 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, there's a simple message in these verses. Get out of the system, Christian. Get out of this present evil world system in terms of your spiritual attitudes and in terms of your inner redeemed you. Paul has been giving us deep, fantastic doctrinal truths for two chapters here that we've been studying in Colossians. And now he moves. Notice, starting with a therefore in verse 1. We always got to figure out what the therefore is there for. And he's moving to some practical implication. That's how he always rolls in his epistles. And the first great practical principle is that he wants to teach us to get out of the system. Again, this is necessary, folks. If we are truly going to be effective gospel witnesses as we live out our lives and the rest of our days in the system. Now, let's, let's, let's broaden out our thinking as Christians. If you have repented of your sins and placed your saving faith in Jesus Christ, you've already experienced a dramatic change in your life. Let's just think about some of the benefits of salvation that occurs in your life when you come to Christ. Again, Paul gives us an example, and we saw it earlier, but let's just read it again in Ephesians 2, 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Would you please notice that's all past tense. In the Greek it's something that already happened. Past action. What happened when you came to Christ? Well, look two verses up there in that same chapter in verses 4 and 5 of Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Oh, look at this. Even when we were dead, in our transgressions, what did he do? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And then the next verse, let's just read it again in verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm being purposely redundant here, if you can't notice. When you came to Christ, you were made alive, spiritually speaking. You were spiritually dead. You were made spiritually alive. You were saved by sovereign grace. And you were instantaneously raised up and given a place, a seat in the heavenlies with Christ. Spiritually speaking, you ascended and now your conscious mind has access to and is occupied with Christ in the heavenlies. 
Paul is getting at the same thing in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our names are already registered there. When you say, yeah, but wait a minute, Brother Philip, we're not there yet. We're still here. Oh, no, our, our bodies are not there yet. But that's where our minds should be. In the heavenlies where we're registered as citizens. Now, don't forget 2 Peter 1, 3, which we quote all the time. Very important. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us some things pertaining to life and godliness. Is that what it says? Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. That's the best statement about the reality that we have been granted everything that we need to live the Christian life in this present world system. So, when you became a Christian, According to scripture, you overcame the world. You received divine power. You received everything you need to live the Christian life. You were made a partaker of the divine nature. You escaped the corruption that is in the world. You were transformed. You were made spiritually alive. And your manner of life is now spiritually speaking in the heavenlies. Now I can go on and on and on and on with that list. That's just the condensed version. It's just, it's, it's, it's mind exploding to consider the fact that every single one of us as believers has entered into a genuine spiritual relationship with the triune creator God of the universe. That should explode your brain every time you think about it. So think about Christian. God has granted to you the capacity, the ability to, to enter and to live consciously in his presence, spiritually speaking. Now go back to our text in Colossians 3. And understand this is why Paul is teaching us that the Christian life is a life that focuses on things that are above. And not on things on the earth. Now, as we look at this text, I want us to consider several things. Number one, we're going to consider the reminder. Go back to verse one. Therefore, it starts out with therefore. If you have been raised up with Christ. Now, stop there. The if there in the Greek is really better translated since. Since you have been raised up with Christ. That's literally what the Greek would say. Because why? It's an already accomplished reality. Think about this, Christian. You died. We've been learning about that with Dr. Lawson. 
right? In Sunday school, in Romans. At salvation, the old you, the old wretched, unregenerate you was crucified with Christ. So you died when you were saved. We've also learned from Romans 7, you died to that former way of life. And then after that, you rose. You rose from the dead. And what kind of life did you take on? You took on eternal life. John MacArthur reminds us this. So important to understand this. Eternal life is not a quantity of life. Eternal life is a quality of life. So when you were made alive by God in Christ, you came alive to the dimension of God's heaven. Your mind was made open to God and what God desires and what God wills for your life. Isn't that true of you, Christian? So you died with Christ. And you rose with Christ. And you entered into a whole new dimension of life. You are no longer, my Christian friend, living out a plain old, unregenerate, biological life, spiritually dead, just going through the motions. You're now living a spiritually alive, eternal life, which is a quality of life that started that the very moment that you were saved and it is a dimension of life that only God can give a person. There's nothing you can work for to get it. That's why again, Philippians 3.20, Paul says, for our citizenship, literally there, our manner of life is in heaven. That is where we live now on the inside. But if we right now are totally preoccupied with the things of this world, then we are not living up to our position in Christ, are we? We've talked about this before. The Christian life is a daily striving and working and struggling to becoming what you already are in position. On the one hand, this is what I am positionally in Christ. All my sins forgiven, imputed with the righteousness of Christ. And daily, I'm striving to live up to my position, right? Now back to our text and real quick, I just want to pull out four phrases for emphasis. This makes it tough on Rachel with this, with the screen thing, but we're going to, she does it so well. Verse one, I want you to look at that phrase with Christ. You see it? Verse one again, where Christ. You see it? Then verse three, with Christ. You see that? Then verse four, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Well, what's the emphasis? Well, it's pretty clear. Having Christ is everything. That's why he says in verse 2, set your mind on things above. Get your preoccupation on Christ. 
He is the center of your life. Remember chapter two? We just studied it. All you need is Christ. Don't let anybody come along and try to intimidate you with philosophy or legalism or stupid ecstatic experiences. Christ alone is sufficient. Christianity is Christ plus nothing. The whole issue is striving daily to live a Christ alone conscious life. Now, all that brings us to number two. The responsibility. Number one, the reminder. Number two, the responsibility. Verse one again. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Now, stop here for a second. Keep seeking the things above, meaning make it the pattern of your life to be preoccupied with heaven. Now, listen, what what does that mean? Well, he's not talking about another kind of asceticism like we learned about earlier, where we just walk around kind of spaced out in a spiritual fog, like some kind of Hindu priest who sits in a corner mm, doing a yoga pose and meditating in stupidity. Mm, he's not talking about that kind of thing. Think of it like this. How about let your preoccupation with heaven govern your earthly responses, for one thing. Now listen. Thinking about heavenly things is not just you thinking about walking down the streets of gold. Look at all that gold. and Wow, look at that pearly gate. Man, that thing is huge and it shines. That's not what we're talking about. It's not a a preoccupation with what makes up the city, glorious as it's going to be when we get there. The idea in thinking heavenly thoughts is to be preoccupied with the one who reigns over the city, King Jesus. Are you with me? That's our responsibility, Christians. Keep seeking the things above, what does it say next? Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of a God. But let's get real. Get real for a minute. Okay? Let's talk about our Romans 7 struggle. With the flesh. We got a hard time getting up there a lot of the time, don't we? In our inner redeemed selves. In that daily battle, we get preoccupied with the things Of the world. And again, I am preaching to me first here. Football, politics, scrolling at social media, money, how much we have or we don't have, what our house looks like. I mean, on and on and on I can go. But let's be real and let's be honest here today, church, about the struggle. Is this a struggle? I mean, we get preoccupied with things that aren't even sinful, right? They're not. They are if we become obsessed and totally focused with them, then they become sinful. And listen to me now. We should all be very convicted about this. All of us. That's part of my job. 
to convict all of us about all of this. Starting with me. But then working hard from this pulpit to point us to the biblical gold standard of the pattern of Christian living that we should be striving to live. That's why you come to church on Sunday to hear the preaching of the word. Part of the reason why. That's what expository preaching is designed to do. And that's what our text is doing today. And Jesus set the ultimate standard of any of you out there get to worrying and fretting and having anxiety about the earthly stuff. What did he say in Matthew 6, 33? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So what are you worrying about, Christian? What you fretting about? Keep seeking the things above. Well, what are they? Well, they're the spiritual values of Christ. Love, joy, peace. Men, meekness is not weakness, men. Meekness is power and strength under control. That's what a man has. Patience, grace, forgiveness, especially when dealing with the most challenging to deal with among us. Those things and many more are the bounties of heaven. Those are the things that fill the heart of King Jesus who is seated in heaven at the right hand of God. Notice verse 2, and Paul keeps rolling with the same thought in verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. So notice verse 1, it's keep seeking. And then verse 2, it's Set your mind on. So you're not only seeking the things above, you're thinking things above. And that's just real simple logic right there. How are you going to seek the things above? By thinking on the things above, right? And to do that, you and I are going to have to work to program our minds to think on these things. How do we do this? You already know. In the first place, get in your Bible. Read it. Study it. And then down from there, read, or now what a lot of us do, listen to good, sound, theological books whose focus is on the Bible, whose focus is in the Bible. Sound theology. Also, listen to, or now, watch Good, sound, expository sermons. The finest expository preachers in all of the world are just a click away on the internet. Boy, there's some good things on the internet amidst all the bad. If you need help with books or preachers or what to read or what to listen to, come see me. I'll help you out. But those things are always extra because nothing comes close to reading and studying scripture because that's direct from heaven. That's God breathing out his word. Number three, the resource. Have a reminder, we have a responsibility, but Paul also gives us a resource and we already kind of touched on it. Look again in the middle of verse one. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's there right now. 
seated in the right hand of power position. He's there waiting on us to enter his presence, spiritually speaking, and to claim the power that he's made available to us. All you got to do is get there through your inner redeemed self. You can do it any moment of any day. He is the resource. He is the fountain of all blessing for all of his people. He is there seated at the right hand of power because he is exalted. He's at the father's right hand because the father says you are honored. You are to be praised. You are to be glorified. You have all authority and power and dominion in heaven and in earth. And so when we seek to obtain the things above, we're not chasing after ghosts. We're not like the Gnostics trying to find the secret, hidden, superior knowledge that only really really to pandering of our flesh. Christian, let me tell you, when you are seeking the things above, everything that we seek is there because he is there. And that means everything you need to seek is there. Now I have a number four. The reason. And we kind of also touched on this a little bit too. Verse three. For you have died. How so, Paul? Well, we talked about that. But also, remember Galatians 6, 14. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, meaning you are dead to the system. Keep going in verse 3, Colossians. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now that's a sermon series in itself right there, but not for today. The reason that you should follow this admonition is because that is where you're alive. Christian, you have an entirely new life. A new consciousness. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, commentators have all kind of things to say about that phrase. But let me just break it down in central terms here on the corner of Hooper and Lovett. First, it means I'm all wrapped up with God in Jesus Christ. My life is all tangled up with the triune God as a Christian. The Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Me and the Trinity, we're all in this together. You and the Trinity, all in this together. That's why when we get to heaven, I can promise you for sure Peter's not going to be sitting at the gate checking IDs. He is the triune, the triune God. The triune God is going to say, we've been waiting on you. Welcome home. Now, I don't know if he's really going to say that. But now, how can I even make such an assertion that is a correct assertion at least? Because I know this. That my Bible teaches me that when God sees me, when I get there to the gate, he's not going to see me apart from Jesus Christ. Man, that's mind boggling, right? 
God looks at Christ and sees me. God looks at me and sees Christ. And the same goes for you if you're a Christian here today. Wow. That's what it means. That our life is hidden with Christ in God. How in the world will you be able to stand in the presence of a holy God when you die without being consumed by his wrath. I can tell you how, because you will be cloaked in the cloak of the righteousness of King Jesus, imputed to you by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And here's another thought. Outside of our profession of faith and hopefully our gospel witness, there there is a sense in which our life is hidden with Christ and God from the world itself that we live in. I mean, they really don't know what we know, do they? I mean, they think we're just like everybody else. And certainly that's not because we're better than anybody else. Such were some of you, right? Especially me. But the biblical reality is the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. Do you think they know what makes us tick? They have no idea. I had no idea what made a Christian tick when I was not a Christian. Do you think they have any clue at all what it means to be a citizen of heaven, blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? No. So we have to realize they're not ever going to understand us. Don't get shocked when you see stuff on the news when they're persecuting Christians. What are you being shocked for? They're not ever going to understand that this world is not our home. That this certainly is not our best life now. We are just strangers and sojourners passing through trying to get to our true home in the celestial city. And let me tell you, if your life is hidden with Christ in God, your life is secure in him. That doesn't happen by accident. And I'm here to tell you, he never changes his mind about it. Finally and lastly, Paul just wants to prove all this. There's the revelation. Oh, look at verse four. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. It's almost as if God is saying, now world, there's coming a day when we're going to have an unveiling. And we're going to see who really made it. The world may not fully recognize us now, but I'm here to tell you someday every one of them will. Because when the king appears at his second coming, you can read all about it in Revelation 19. We will appear with him in glory when he comes on that white horse. The verdict of eternity is going to reverse the verdicts of time. The world right now that persecutes, despises, mocks, laughs at, ignores us. One day 
They will have their breath taken away when we are glorified with and by King Jesus. And they'll all see it. So Paul is teaching us we live here by faith. But soon and forever, we will live by sight. So for now, while we're here, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is. At the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. And as you strive to do that, it is then and only then that you can go out and be an effective gospel witness that touch lives in the way that matters most. And then when our day is done, And that last morning that we have on earth is over. Remember Wednesday night we talked about we all get one last morning. No matter what time of day you die in, night or day, you get one last morning. After that one last morning is over. And then that incredible moment comes at the second coming. When Christ who is our life is revealed, we also will be revealed with him in glory. Praise Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for such conviction that we need. We need conviction. And Lord, forgive us where we fail you to get preoccupied by the things of this world. So easily are we straying prone to wonder, the hymn writer says, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love. We ask you to forgive us and help us, Lord. Use this sermon today to ignite us afresh and anew as Christians to seek the things that are above and not the things that are on the earth. And if any here have not bowed the knee to King Jesus, Lord, use the word preached and the power of the Spirit to bring them to faith in Christ. We pray that everything we've done here in this place today has been done in such a way to bring you maximum glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.